Calvary Church presents Lead to Serve, a leadership podcast with Ed Taylor. Hey, you've joined us for today's episode. So glad you're with us. This is Lead to Serve. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. It's a Calvary Chapel ministry, and we're grateful to be a part of the Calvary family of churches. We're grateful to be a part of the body of Christ, serving loving, caring for our community and beyond. And this is the podcast that is teaching us and we're talking about servanthood. Because I believe the more we can gain in learning to be better servants, our leadership will follow. I would even put it this way. You and I will be unable to lead effectively until we learn how to serve effectively. Like Jesus, he came, according to Mark chapter 10, he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So our leadership and our servanthood should be marked by generosity and, and a heart of giving and a desire to, like Peter said, serve among the flock or to serve among the people that God has given us to oversee. So whether it's a church setting or you're the CEO or a vice president or a manager or supervisor, you've been given responsibility and oversight. We take time on this podcast to talk about deeper practical things when it comes to serving. Taking uh, the Word of God and the principles that we gain from the Word of God and applying them very practically in how to become better servants. And today's topic is a very important one, and that's this. Do I defend myself? Do I defend myself? Because you know as well as I do that in any position of oversight or leadership, criticism, accusations, as we learned last time, gossip and slander will inevitably be pointed at you. And the design of that particular attack is to stop the work, to distract you and disrupt you and take you away from the work that God has called you to do. So when I'm criticized and when I'm accused and when there's gossip spread about me and when there is slander all over, what do I do? Do I defend myself? And there are two prevailing camps. Uh, to answer that question. And and they simply revolve around yes and no. And we'll get to that in a second. But when it comes to criticism, I want you to know that you should expect it. It's inevitable. Even the most talented, even the most gifted, the most successful leaders experience criticism and slander and everything that comes with it. And now with the invention of social media, It is so much more prominent as people take to social media to express their concerns, to express their feelings, and many are taking to social media to express falsehoods, accusations, lies, slander, and gossip. And if you are the subject of that, you're faced with a decision. Now, right away, I'm reminded of a man by the name of Nehemiah who was involved in a great work of God. He was called back to the city of Jerusalem to rebuild the walls in 
relationship with Ezra, who would rally the troops to rebuild the temple, and Zerubbabel on the more practical level to help alongside these men to bring life and safety back into the city of Jerusalem. And he made a quick work. God used him in a very fast way. And the walls were built. By the time we meet Nehemiah in chapter 6, the walls are already built, even though the gates haven't been hung yet. And this flipped out the enemies of God. Men, it says, named Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab. And then he leaves this category, the rest of our enemies. When they heard that he had rebuilt the wall and there was no breaks except the gates weren't hung, that Sambalat and Geshem chose to send a message to Nehemiah to go meet in the plains of Ono. And wisely, Nehemiah said, oh no, I'm not. And his exact words as recorded in the scripture was, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? Now, part of this answer is going to be uh, elaborated on in the answer, how do, do I defend myself on the no side of things? And one of the reasons why we don't chase down and put out fires is because I'm not going to cease doing the work. Like, why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? So that makes sense. We're not we're not going to be putting out fires and running after things. But see, this didn't satisfy the enemies. After sending it to him, it says four times, Nehemiah answered the same way. And then it says, Samballat sent his servant to me as before the fifth time. And the relentlessness of the spiritual attack behind the scenes, this time he was sent with an open letter in his hand, an open letter. Now, in the ancient days, when a letter was sent, you could send it to the person with a seal so that only the person it was addressed to could open it. But an open letter was designed to be read along the way. An open letter was designed to destroy someone's reputation, to assassinate their character. And this personal attack on Nehemiah, see, they couldn't kill him physically. They couldn't bring him out to the villages on the plain of Ono to take him out there. So instead, they took to the written word uh, and wrote this open letter that in each village along the way, the person that had it would open it up and read to it anyone, read it to anybody that could, could hear, that would want to hear, even people that didn't care. They just, it was some new thing that came to town. And, and in the letter was a complete lie. Notice it says, and this is Nehemiah 6, 5. It says, it's reported among the nations. So right away, everybody knows. And Geshub says, oh, by the way, uh, the letter says, by the way, the whole world knows this. And my friend that's a liar, Geshem, he says that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding the wall that May, that you may be their king. And so again, the invitation came, oh, I just want to make sure everything is, is accurate and correct. And I heard these rumors and my buddy Geshem said it. And, and rumors are so destructive. If you're on the other end of rumors, false accusations, remember the devil. And again, the spiritual realm behind these things, even though most of these things are, are delivered by people, never forget that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. The issue isn't so much the person 
as it is the spiritual demonic work behind the scenes. And so these accusations, these rumors, the gossips that is being spread about you, maybe somebody put a video on YouTube or something and, and it, it, it hurts, doesn't it? It's painful. Uh, and, and people would believe these rumors and they would just relentlessly, af- one after another, after another, after another, in some cases launching an all-out assault and campaign against them, just like Nehemiah against you, that are filled with rumors and innuendos. And it's important that we answer the question, what do I do? By the way, when you think of rumors, think of them, when you, gossip and rumors, they generally have four things in common. First of all, number one, the information's incomplete, skewed, or slanted against you. Even though the Bible says, Ephesians 4.15, to speak the truth in love. Rumors do not speak the truth in love. Number two, the source often is someone unnamed or anonymous. Now, at least in this case, there was one guy named Geshem, but he's already known as a bona fide enemy of God and a friend of the enemy. So he's not a reliable source or all the nations. Again, uh, unnamed anonymous. But the Bible says in 1 John 1 that we're to walk in the light as he is in the light and we're to have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Thirdly, a rumor or gossip usually has an intent of malicious destruction. I mean, when was the last time you heard a rumor filled with good news about somebody? Rarely. It's almost always false bad news designed to assassinate someone's character and ruin their reputation. And then finally, rumors almost always, number four, result in the hurt and discouragement and division in those that are being talked about. And it's just so sad. And the open letter, it was intended to spread the message like social media is today. You know, it used to be forwarded emails and then it was when blogs were invented, then it became social media. And now, you know, with Facebook and Twitter and things, things they spread so quickly and people believe them so quickly that an answer to the question, do I defend myself, is very important. And so here are the two camps. The two camps are no. I shouldn't defend myself, but allow God to be my defender. And I love what Pastor Chuck Smith has taught us over the years. He, he puts it in, let me quote to him from one of his Bible studies, because if there was ever a man that, that received accusations and gossip, it was Pastor Chuck. And here, let me quote him in one of his Bible studies through the Psalms. He says, so I'm trusting in God. He is my defense. And it's a glorious thing to have God as your defense. And the Lord will defend his people. And I have learned that if I commit my ways unto the Lord, if I commit the situation to the Lord, the Lord will defend me. If I seek to defend myself, he'll let me. And I'll tell you, I have a weak defense when that happens. But the Lord will defend you. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And this is the heritage of the children of the Lord. And it's so glorious to have the Lord as our defense, end quote. And so that's always been interpreted by those that hear Pastor Chuck is that, hey, never defend yourself. Just let that stuff go out there and let the fires burn out and go on with the work. And I understand Uh, exactly what Pastor Chuck's saying. Although I never did get to speak to him personally on this, I do understand 
uh, on many occasions, having applied this in my life, uh, that, hey, just the Lord is my defense. And I would say 99% of the time, that's exactly how we respond. Hey, man, the Lord's my defense. I have a clean conscience. I live a life above reproach. I'm not perfect, but there's nothing that I'm hiding. And then there is the viewpoint that, no, you go and defend yourself against every accusation. And I've heard this among a few brothers and a few pastors that have even hired different people to work on their behalf uh, to defend. And depending on what the accusation is, there may be a necessity to put up a strong defense in some way, uh, to stand strong. But for most of the things that we face, I think there's a combination of the two. Because number one, I don't think we should be chasing down every little fire and every little accusation. I'm always concerned when I hear accusations or things about me from people that have my phone number. And so most of these personal things, if you know the person, according to Matthew 18, you're to go to him, you and him alone. And if he hears you, you've won your brother. And so people that have my phone number and know how to get a hold of me uh, choose to use social media and other things to spread lies and falsehoods about me. There's not much I can do about that. Uh, People are going to think what they think. And that's the sad thing. People are going to think what they think. But what we need to focus on is what God thinks. Our life matters to him and we're to walk in the light and we're accountable to him. So we want to be accountable to him and faithful to that. The other side is a combination too of what, or another point to make is what Nehemiah does here. Nehemiah chooses to refute this claim. He chooses to answer this claim very quickly and very forcefully, where he says in Nehemiah 6, 8, and I sent to him saying, no such things as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. For they were trying to make us afraid, saying their hands will be weakened in the work and will not be done. It will not be done. Therefore, God, oh, strengthen my hands. There is, and there are times And there is the necessity at times to refute the claim and to say it's not true, especially if you have access to the person and say, no, this isn't true. What you're saying is a lie. Like Nehemiah, you're making this stuff up. And as painful as it is, you want to be careful not to respond in emotion, but there is certainly an avenue for refuting an accusation. We we find these We find examples all throughout the Bible that leaders, when when, when their approach, you know, the Bible, when it looks at the reproach brought on by slander and lies, it's a very serious matter. And there are responses to false accusations. You know, first you you find this appeal to God to defend. And, And I, man, Lord, be our defense. You are my defense. And at the same time, there are answers. Uh, there are those in the Old Testament and the New Testament that gave an answer uh, and that stood for righteousness. False and serious accusations against leaders must be defended, or you run the risk of, of seeing the, the good news of the kingdom dissipated through lies that are spreading. And Samuel, when he presented King Saul to the people, he made a point at that time to 
establish that Saul was faithful, uh, that, that he has a past faithfulness in order to fulfill this position. And Samuel said, the Lord's witness against you and also his anointed is witness this day that there was nothing in, there was nothing found in my hand when Samuel says, look, I'm presenting to you Saul, but I want you to know about me. I am innocent. And these are the facts. I think about Jesus and his life, how he stood for truth, both by defending himself against lies. Now, again, you were thinking of Jesus, go, wait a minute, um, all the way to the cross, he answered not a word. And that's true. And Jesus embodies to me the duality of being careful. Sometimes we speak the truth and sometimes we recognize that God is in control. But remember, Jesus told the Pharisees in John chapter 8, you guys belong to your father, the devil. You want to carry out your father's desire. He just spoke the facts. He, he was very much a, a man of truth, of course, you know, God in human flesh. And the Pharisees were often at the receiving end of Jesus' most severe rebukes. Uh, he was often at the, Jesus was the one standing and, and acknowledging the truth in the midst of hypocrisy. And even the disciples would stand for truth. And they would say, you know, I don't know what you're, I, I, I don't know, you know, Peter would stand there and say, you know, I don't know you, if I should obey you, man, or I should obey God, but I'm going to obey God, uh, even to the point of being in prison for sharing the gospel. So there are two sides to the story, and you need to carefully and prayerfully enter in asking God for wisdom. I remember a, a good pastor friend of mine, Pastor Skip Heitzig, as I was talking to him about this subject, he gave me advice that I will forever be grateful for. He says, you know, Ed, you just have to outlive your critics. And what he meant by that is you need to continue to live your life honoring God, obeying God, and keeping your eyes on that which is important, keeping focused on the work at hand. And I want to adopt that into my life. I want to be found faithful. You know, as we saw last time, I don't want gossip on my lips. I don't want slander on my lips. And therefore, when somebody gossips and slanders about me, I can stand the test of time and I can stand the time of this test where it's just going to come. And so in response to these things, as you, well, Ed, I don't know, you didn't really say yes or no. Well, here are a couple things to consider. Number one, when you're attacked and when gossip spread, maintain your abiding relationship in Jesus Christ. Stay close to Jesus. It's going to be painful. It's going to hurt, especially as the enemy loves to attack those things of our character that we treasure and that we cherish. You know, for example, if you're like, well, I'm a, you, you, you take great joy in knowing that you're an honest person and you're probably very honest, but then you're called a liar. <laughs> so liar. And so it's an attack specifically on something that you treasure and that hurts. So number one, even in the emotion, stay abiding in Jesus. Secondly, protect your abiding relationship in Jesus in the word. Be careful not to wander into the enemy's territory, trying to take them on. God's word is a source of truth, perspective, hope and help, comfort, patience, and all that we need when we're being attacked. 
And one place of strength for sure in Nehemiah's life is I'm sure he grasped the power of the Psalms, like in Psalm 26, vindicate me, O Lord, vindicate me. I've walked in my integrity. Protect me, Lord. He says it again, the psalmist does in Psalm 43, plead my cause against an ungodly nation. Thirdly, you can strongly deny accusations. That's what Nehemiah did. It's not true. You're making them up in your mind. It's pure gossip and lies, not true. And you don't have to just sit there and allow it to grow. You can take a stand and deny them. And then finally, I mean, I, I think number four is number four on the list, but it also is kind of the encompassing of it all, is maintain your prayer life as you're crying out to God. Go to him with your pains. Go to him with your difficulties. Go to him with the things that you're facing because ministry and serving people is hard enough. Dealing with the challenges in other people's lives are hard. Having to wrestle with difficulties and all these situations is hard, hard, hard. But realize that the situation can be made a lot harder if you respond in the flesh and try to take things into your own hands. So just pray and ask God, strengthen your hands, establish us, God, vindicate us, defend us. And I do agree with Pastor Chuck. Most of the time, we have that peaceable time where we just like, you know, Lord, you're my defense. In Psalm 710, it says, my defense is of God, which saves the upright in heart. And you are my defense, God, and you are a much better defender of my life and my integrity than I ever will be. Because even as I would want to try to defend my integrity, I'd probably respond in such a way that would not be good. And I want God to be my defender. And as Pastor Chuck taught us, it's a glorious thing to have God as your defense. And the Lord will defend his people. And if I choose to defend myself and go after and try to put out all the fires and try to explain things and reason with people, as I've tried in the past, I'll find out that it is a very weak defense. And people are not easily persuaded, nor do they care. The reason they're lying about you is because they hate you and they want to destroy you and they want to hurt you. And so even the most well-reasoned, I remember sitting across a table with someone who was doing and is still doing great damage in my life and trying to reason with them, reason with them as a fellow father, reason with them with all of the, the, the spiritual truths of God's word. And he only went deeper in wanting to hurt me and hasn't stopped. And I just, okay, Lord, you're my defense. And no weapon that's formed against me will prosper. That you have given me a heritage of the saints to be my defense. Even if it feels like the weapons are prospering right now, uh, they're not going to prosper. God is working all things together for the good. And if you're facing accusations right now and you're facing the heat of the battle where people are saying bad things about you, gossiping, slandering. I'm sorry. My heart is to see you stronger, your faith being built up. And like Nehemiah, stay, keep your hand to the work. Because in the very next chapter, well, really, and at the end of the uh, middle of this chapter, it says in verse 15, so the wall was finished. 
on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. Now, this didn't stop the attacks, but it didn't stop Nehemiah. And Nehemiah, he was used by God to finish the work that God had given to him, despite the attacks and despite the accusations and slander spread about him. And so too will you be able to finish the work in the strength of the Lord. This brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I'm having a great time. I'm still looking forward to interviewing people again with my schedule. Uh, it's difficult to schedule these things, but we are working on it. And I'll be talking to various people about different topics. But until then, I'm just going to share with you the things that I share with our team here, talking through things, learning how to practically serve. The better we serve, the better we lead. I love your feedback. Uh, be sure to go to wherever you listen to this podcast and leave a review. Uh, positive reviews help to bring the algorithm of searches uh, to bring the podcast to a place where it's found easier and more prominent. So please, if this podcast has blessed you and encouraged you, leave a review, however you're getting this podcast, and then give me some feedback. Do you have a topic you'd like covered? Um, anything you, a question you like answered? Uh, go to my website, edtaylor.org, edtaylor.org. You can contact me through that website. And you can also catch up with things that I write, things that I've been sharing, uh, and connect with us at our church here at calvaryco.church. I personally am grateful that God has allowed me to be a very, very small part in the huge work that he's doing in your life. Until next time, God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Lead to Serve with Pastor Ed Taylor a leadership podcast from Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. If you have a leadership question you want to hear answered on a future Lead to Serve podcast, please email it to pastored at calvaryco.church. And if you like our podcast, please subscribe, rate, or review us on iTunes and share us with your friends on social media. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time right here on the Lead to Serve podcast.